There is truth. You can know it, live it, and be liberated by it. I'm Audrey Rindlisbacher. Thank you for joining me on this podcast where we explore how the truth can set you free. Jordan Peterson said something that really encapsulates the why behind what we're going to talk about for a few minutes today. He said, we're always deciding with every decision we make, whether we're going to do good or do harm by action or by inaction, whether we should do good or harm or nothing at all, I think depends to some degree on who we think we are and what we're capable of. It seems to me that the humanities, when they're properly taught, are the study of who we could be, each of us as individuals. And we need to know that because otherwise we'll be much less than we are and could be. That's not a trivial problem. It's a catechismic problem. And that really gets at the heart of All throughout the day, every day, we're called upon to make micro decisions and macro decisions. And those decisions are affecting us and they're affecting the people around us. And they're going to, the decisions that we make are going to be a manifestation of the kind of person that we've become. And this is why the ancients, all the way until, you know, maybe the last hundred years or so, the greatest thinkers and leaders talked about virtue all the time and how virtue was the primary reason for being a human. That was like the end game. That was like the thing we were supposed to be going for because that's what made us truly human, that we had this self-consciousness, this self-awareness, and this ability for self-improvement. And so because we are the only creature we know of that has that capacity, it's incumbent on us to expand that capacity to be the ultimate human we could be, is to be the most virtuous person we could be. Reminds me of something that John Quincy Adams um, told his son. He wrote home to him when he was an ambassador to Russia, and he was talking about the study of the Bible. But at that time, and I talk about this a lot, it was really popular um, to read a lot. And so John Quincy Adams' son was, you know, 10 and 11 years old when he received these letters. And, And so John Quincy Adams said to him, he says, you know, I know that you boys brag a lot about how many books you've read, but those books are of no benefit to you if they don't make you wiser and more virtuous. What's the point of having plowed through a certain number of books if they haven't changed you? And that's fundamentally what I'm all about. That's how the truth can make you free. And it goes back to exactly what Jordan Peterson was talking about in this interview with the founder of Ralston College. Um, It just really hit my heart because it's all about how really the humanities was meant to be the study of being a human and how we can be the best human. And that's why it's an education for every person because every person is a human and they need to be the best human they can be. And so that's why I'm such an advocate of lifelong learning and using that learning time to discover truth to implement it and to have it make you free. Not only does it give you tools for solving the significant problems you face, but it also makes you more virtuous. It develops your character. It shows you over and over and over again the kind of person you could be. And then you your motivation to strive for that increases and increases and increases as you interact with great ideas and great people and, and discussing those and then seeking to apply them. I talked recently, um, 
in another video podcast about the, the impact of Benjamin Franklin's book club. And it's that same idea that we don't know how much good can come from simply interacting with greats. And so, and I mean a certain kind of great, the kind of great that's truly virtuous and has a, a, an incredibly positive impact in the world. So we're gonna talk for a few minutes about something that without that introduction might seem a little unimportant or trivial. How in the world do you choose books for your book club or just choose books that you would want to read? How do you do go on this path for lifelong learning? Because if I, I am a huge proponent, I'm gonna talk about this more again in future podcasts because it's so important that we discuss what we're learning. It helps us, I'm gonna talk about some reasons why discussion is so impactful and how it changes us and the way we think and the way we live. So I think you should belong to some kind of book club. I have a book club, you can join mine or you can use the books I recommend to do them with your book club or whatever, however you wanna go about that. But, and, and I teach a lot of tools. Uh, if, if you follow me at all, then you know I teach about the five types of questions, how to lead quality discussions, how to look for themes, key study skills, how to mark your book. I'm always giving people tools, and most importantly, how to identify principles, the nature of principles, how to find them in different types of, of genres. But those skills are really secondary and actually not all that helpful if you choose the wrong books, the wrong readings, because it's not just, I mean, a lot of the things I'm gonna to mention today are in book form so that we can read them. But again, you can choose your companions every day, all day by, by how you interact in the world, who you interact with. So um, when you're in a book club, it often happens, now, Again, we're talking about books you could choose for your own enrichment, but also how book clubs choose books. And the problem in many book clubs is that they take the democratic line, right? They let everyone choose books, and then they take turns leading the discussions. And of course, everyone has varying levels of skills and experience and education. And I've seen book clubs where they haven't, no one's even read the book that they've chosen for the book club that month. And so what it does is it creates, um, it creates an environment where the attendees or the members of that book club don't know what kind of quality experience they're gonna have month to month because they don't know if the readings are gonna be good and the discussion is gonna be good. And if, you know, so-and-so is just gonna hijack the conversation. And so they become unmotivated to be involved. and. And, and just a local little book club is just such a perfect way to continue your lifelong learning because you've got these deadlines and you're motivated to get it read and to get there. And, you know, in our book club, we um, I have them with my sister and some friends. And that deadline is really, really helpful to get through books and then to come and have rich discussions. And we try to implement some of these things that I talk about here and we eat food and it's great fun. But if you don't know what kind of quality experience you're gonna have, then that's hard to do. So take advantage of um, articles I've got up on my blog and uh, things on my channel and podcasts that you can hand off to your book club. I know that um, people have used Academy content in my backend Academy or courses that I've developed to go through those with their book clubs. There's a lot of different ways to do this. And with the library being so cheap, that's easy to do. But however you wanna do it, I if, you're, if you follow me on socials on Instagram, every month I shout out 
Uh, and even on YouTube or the podcast, I'll shout out what book I've chosen for the month. So just use that. But I want to give you three tools for discerning. Now, this can be if if you're teaching a class, if you're a parent and you want to choose books for your children. These three suggestions are incredibly simple, but very important. They will make all the difference in your experience. So I want to tell you, I wrote about this a little bit. And so I'm going to read you what I wrote, this little story of an experience that I had attending a book club of a friend. So I went to the book club. It consisted of neighbors that had been meeting regularly for many years. Out of 12 women that attended, about half had finished the book for that month. Some had started it and a couple had a couple of them had refused to purchase and read the book at all. <laughs> this made rough going for a good discussion, but when they began talking about some of their own personal struggles, the conversation picked up. So when the discussion was about the book, it was kind of like, eh, favorite part, quote, whatever. And not even everybody, you know, had read it. a couple people hadn't even bought it because why would you spend your money on it if you don't know it's going to be excellent and you want it in your library? But then when they started talking about their struggles with their spouses or their children or their friends or at work, they wanted to talk to each other. And this is what I'm saying is pair the two. Make the things that you're reading inform your real life experiences. My YouTube channel used to be called Education for Real Life because that's what this is really about. And that's what education used to give you was skill sets for living your life. That's what we want to, that's what we want to resurrect that. I didn't, I personally didn't say much during the discussion, but when I could tell they were winding down, I asked a question. I kind of wanted to evaluate this book club as kind of a test case for my theories about book clubs. I asked, how do you choose the books that you'll read? One woman answered that everyone had a turn on a rotating schedule. I'm telling you, this is how most of them knew it. I asked, has anyone read this, had anyone read this book before it was recommended? No was the answer. I asked, then how did you come to choose it? It was recommended to one of the book club members by a friend. Will any of you ever read this book again? I asked. Everyone, even the staunchest defenders of the book, the people who had bought it and read the whole thing and come and talked about it, every single woman there answered, no, that book was not worth ever reading again. I said, really? I asked, really? Why not? I actually genuinely was surprised by how unanimous this was. One woman's response explains clearly the difficulties this book club was experiencing. She said, there aren't very many books that are worth reading more than once. Now, Maybe a couple hundred years ago, you might not have thought that because there wasn't just this total inundation of information like we have today. And to be quite honest, if you take the total number of books that are published every year, there aren't very many books that are worth reading more than once. But if you, if you know how to choose the right books, you know which ones are worth reading more than once, you can have a quality experience month after month after month. Even though I know many people feel this way, her response still surprised me, especially because I own many books I feel worth are worth reading multiple times. So that was my response to this experience was like, I got a lot of books I've read more than once and I want to read again. And so I, it, it was a little tragic to me that she felt that way. 
Then another woman said, yeah, there are only a couple books I've ever read twice. Then a really fascinating thing happened. The woman sitting next to me, one of the members who had not purchased or read the book for that month said, I read The Help three times in the last year. We read it for group several months ago and I went right home and read it again. Then I read it a third time. I asked her, why did you read it three times in a row? And she replied, because it made me want to be better. That is the key, <laughs> I'm telling you. The power of choosing the right books, and that's why this is in the series of the book club videos that I've got, I'm releasing it as a podcast, because I want you to have these tools. That's the point, what we think we want to read in our book clubs is books that are entertaining, but the books that really not only make the book club much better quality, but also bless the lives of those who attend, and make them want to keep reading and coming is to read something that is enriching. Enriching books can also be entertaining, but often entertaining books are not enriching, and that's important. Great books are both, and that's the goal. Like anything, we think we want candy, but what we really need, what nourishes us throughout our lives, is vegetables. But vegetables can also taste great as they nourish, and that's the kind of reading that we want. So here's the point. Some things in this world are the best by my standards, and some are the best by your standards, but some are truly the best by history's standards. Some music, some books, some art outlasts the popularity of its day. It outlasts its generation and even its century. It is timeless. It speaks to virtually all people of all times and places because it speaks to humankind. I don't want, I don't know about you, but I have very little time to spend reading books for my book club. And if I'm going to invest that time, I want it to be worth my while. This doesn't mean I'd like to cuddle up with Moby Dick tonight, but it does mean that there are so many amazing things that book clubs could be reading and discussing. They almost always spend their time in easy to read modern novels, and that's a tragedy. It's such a shame because these same people could be spending exactly the same amount of time or sometimes even less time reading something that will truly change the way they think or will benefit their lives. Not only do better readings have more meaning, they are much more fun. So when I say classics, I don't just mean old books. I mean any kind of reading that, and here's the bullet list for you. I'm going to put a couple bullet lists on the note of this post for you, um, uh, of this podcast, but I'm also going to put these notes, put this article on my blog so you can go back and read it as well. Okay, so we want readings that contain truth that we can learn from over and over again, that is true to natural consequences, that honors the natural law, that teaches true human nature and inspires us to be our best. And you want to know a secret? One of the biggest problems in our culture today is a lack of this, period. If the right kinds of readings were in our school systems, we would be producing a different type of man and woman. We would be generating a different kind of culture. This is why I could, I could give you so many quotes from the founding generation after the Constitution was ratified 
all these, all the leaders were like, okay, so what we have to do is, I mean, we were already for over a hundred years making education free, but the, the huge focus was, okay, so we want, we need to educate our people to be free. We need to give them a liberal meaning liber, meaning an education that makes you free. We need to educate them to the form. And this is really, really important. I talk about this in my Principles of Liberty course that's in my library. You have to, you, there are forms of government and there's a, I'm getting off on a tangent here, but basically in the early stages of a civilization, you focus on forms and in the later stages you focus on issues. And that's how we know we're a late stage civilization because we're focused on issues and not forms. And so you have to educate to the form of government that you want. And so if you want the highest level of freedom, you have to educate people to know how to perpetuate governmental forms that make them free. Okay, that's totally aside, but super duper duper important. And so if you're not getting it in school or you didn't get it in school, like I didn't get it in school, get it for yourself, give it to your family. Okay, number one, most important thing that we want to do when we're choosing something to read for a lifelong learning experience for our family, for our children, um, in our book club, whatever, is to stick with the original. And I'm going to give you an example. Several years ago, I was doing research on an educational methodology for an assignment in one of my classes. This required me to visit a local private school where I listened to a lecture given to the student body about Christopher Columbus. It was part of their American history studies, but it piqued my interest because there was a lot of buzz in the country at the time. There still is, it's just gotten worse, about public school students putting Columbus on trial and finding him guilty of heinous, heinous crimes. And I have written about this other places and talked about it other places. I think what we've done to Christopher Columbus is tragic. Um, but it piqued my interest because when I was young, 50 years ago, we liked Christopher Columbus. And then in the 90s and the early 2000s, suddenly we didn't like Columbus. And so I saw that shift happen in my lifetime and that was really bizarre and I couldn't figure out and I, you know, thought about that. And so then I'm doing this research project and I'm like, yeah, he's talking about Columbus and he's telling these stories I've never heard before and I'm really fascinated by what's going on. And so what's the real story here? It wasn't so much what the speaker said about Columbus as the way he repeatedly referenced Columbus's journal. By this time, I had already faced the fact that the private university I attended as a young adult had not given me nearly enough exposure to original sources. This speech, though, combined with what I was seeing in the newspapers, helped me understand the importance of going to the source on a whole new level. I went home and put Columbus's journal into my search engine, to my, into Google, and there it was. In just a few pages, I could read for myself who Columbus was, what he did, and most importantly, how he felt about his life and his decisions. I could find out about Columbus from Columbus. It was incredibly liberating and exhilarating. No more leaning on someone else's opinion. I could find out for myself. I didn't do this early in my life because I honestly didn't realize that I could or even should. Others don't do it because they don't know how or they're intimidated by it. Some people think that things that are old are hard to understand. I'm not sure whether or not this public perception was by design, but it seems to be predominant. It simply isn't true. Yes, Shakespeare is tough. Yes, you need to read Plato a few times to get it, but most older writings, letters, treaties, documents, and even Shakespeare have been translated into modern English. You can start there. 
Columbus was not difficult to understand. Most of the original sources I read are not. The letters of John and Abigail Adams, Plato's cave analogy, Cicero's speeches, Marcus Aurelius's meditations are relatively easy to read. They're not as easy as modern novels or children's classics, but I bet they aren't nearly as difficult as most people think they are. Even Shakespeare needs some practice and some warming up and some warming up too, but with an understanding of the plot and some patience, he can not only be understood, but greatly enjoyed. So that's the first thing you want to do. Just go to the original. Most of our public school textbooks are three, four, five sources away from the original. Someone's read something, read something, read something, read something, and scholars are putting it together and they're picking and choosing based on their value system, based on their worldview, based on what they say is important. And it just might not make you the most virtuous human that you could be. It might not help you discover who you really are. It might not benefit you. And so you want to just find out from Columbus who he is. Go to the source. The second one is that you want to mix it up. Don't read just novels and don't read just nonfiction. Don't read just self-help. Read all kinds of different things. And again, I've got a bullet list in the description for you so that you can see the wide variety of the kinds of readings. And if you just had this list in front of you when you were choosing something to read for yourself or your book club or whatever, you would find reading to be a lot more fun, especially because this was really drilled out of us when we were forced to read pretty much pretty boring uh, textbooks for so many years. So um, I think you should be reading more than just books. Most book clubs become boring and monotonous because they read almost exclusively not modern novels. This is largely because these are the books that are being recommended by people they know and the members want to read something easy and entertaining. They think they do, but they don't. These groups are missing out on so much enriching reading. While modern novels have their place in the book club world, they are only one resource among dozens of types of readings that your book club could enjoy. The primary reason modern novels rule the book club scene is a lack of exposure and experience on the part of the leaders. If they only knew all the wonderful reading that's out there, they would have a more enjoyable time reading and much more interesting discussions. Here's a partial list of genres and types of readings that will help you think outside the box when choosing readings for your group. And I'm just going to run through these quickly. Plays, poetry, speeches, essays, children's novels, one of my favorites, fairy tales, treaties, histories, autobiographies, historical fiction, scientific studies, also fascinating, short stories, self-help, manifestos, documents, how-to, great books, excerpts, letters, court case summaries, magazine articles. One way to begin mixing it up is to decide on a subject or theme you'll read about, then simply search on the internet and at your local library for readings about that topic. Love, FDR, France, or a myriad of subjects could work. Another way is to use the internet search 10 best of any genre. If you spend a few minutes and compare the list, you'll quickly discover many of the best in the genre you've chosen. Now, if it's novels and they're in the last 50 years, you're going to get a lot of what, and I have a, other videos on this, what a classic is and is not. Um, the modern definition of a classic really throws you off. But anyway, this is still a good idea to try. Spend a delightful year reading a new best of in each genre every month, or read speeches for a few months, then letters and so on. If you take a little time and look at maps and timelines, in addition to the reading, a whole new world of learning will open up to you. 
that is actually a ton of fun. When you read an older novel and then you learn about the time period and then you pull up some maps and you figure out where everything happened and you look at pictures of what it looks like today, super duper fun and your book club becomes a little classroom. So first one is go to the original, stick with the original and the second one, mix it up. The third one is start simple. As you learn more about the types of questions and reading skills that I teach or from others as well, learning skills in general, you'll come to see that in preparing for a great discussion, it's far more important how you read than that you read a lot of material. Because Plato's cave is a page and I have had so many discussions that have gone a million different places. So it's the richness of the material, not the volume. And that's why you can get everyone actually doing the reading and actually showing up prepared because it's, you know, one poem, two poems. Really, you can have an incredible experience. Many book clubs feel they have to read an entire book every month. And I'm going to say something about this too. <laughs> We have, you have probably had beaten into you like I did, this idea that you have to finish it, you have to finish it, you have to finish it. Read and then stop when it's no longer enriching to you. You, don't not, you do not have to finish. Um, but it, again, as a book club leader or whatever, or even just for your own enrichment, you can choose such short readings that you will finish them and then you can go back to them over and over again. Your group can read as much or as little as you'd like. Just as you can utilize all types of readings, you can also let your book club grow in their capacity to read more effectively by spending several months or perhaps a couple years reading easier books, practicing your reading and discussion skills. The best way to do this is have your book club readings that are relatively easy for them to understand, but which offer rich themes and teach principles that keep reading and discussion deep and meaningful. Classic children's literature, some self-help and self-help selections in my academies and in my courses that I build. I'll often use self-help, but I almost never, I can't even think of a whole book I've had my students read. We only read selections and I handpick those pages or chapters that specifically go with the content so that you're getting that myriad of voices on, on, on topics of interest. Some poetry, some great books, experts and excerpts and fairy tales are a few examples of readings that are short and or easy to read, but allow for thoughtful reflection and can teach you a lot. When choosing to start simple, pick readings that are either short or a little and a little difficult, a few pages from a great book, a couple poems, a sonnet, a document that you will have time to learn about, read, read several times and ponder or Choose easy readings, children's literature, a magazine article, or a play that you can easily get through in a month, allowing you the time to go slowly and really get it. This approach helps you mix it up and keeps it fresh with different types of readings every month while allotting time for the reading and comprehension capacity of your group members to grow until the time comes when you feel ready and excited to attack a more difficult classic. And while it does seem now like that day would never come, if you follow this natural growth process, I promise you that it will. I've seen it happen to hundreds of individuals and groups. I've had hundreds and hundreds, thousands probably at this point of students. Well, yeah, thousands because I've had I don't know, seven or 800 go through the Mission Academy. So, um, and 
Every time they continue on that path, their capacity increases, their love for learning grows, and then they start reading and I just kind of gently baby step them. For example, in my mom and teen academies, I just baby step you through into a little harder reading, a little harder reading, a little harder reading, and pretty, sure you're, pretty soon you're like, oh, I've read Cicero and I've read Blackstone and I've read Plato and I've read, you know, all of these really cool things just a little tiny bit at a time and I found principles and I applied those. It's just so exhilarating and fulfilling. I just can't express enough how passionate I am about this path. So the big why for all of this is so that you can know who you are. You can engage in that joy of self-discovery. You can develop your character and become a more virtuous person through sticking with the original, and mixing it up and what's the other one and starting simple. So that's how you're going to do it. That's the process that you're going to go through if you're in a book club and you know, then this next month we're going to do a Christmas Carol short and easy, lots of plays and knockoffs of that. You could join me in the library. If you'd like to discuss a Christmas Carol in January, we're going to do a play. And we're going to be on this path, but no matter how you do this, please make your lifelong learning, just like Jordan Peterson said, that the humanities, the great writings of history, the great speeches that have been given, oh man, you can just be nourished on the Gettysburg Address almost endlessly. Just choose simple shorter things, increase your capacity over time, practice study skills. That's something that I always encourage people to do also is pick one simple study skill every month to accompany that reading. And then you are off to the races and you'll have a wonderful experience. Layer that with other videos and tools and resources I have for how to lead the discussion and prepare and mark your books and, and, and gain better principled centered study skills. And you will have an incredibly rich experience that will bless you and your family and eventually your community. Hey, are you ready to have the truth set you free? Head over to AudreyRinlessBacher.com and get the Truth Seeker Starter Kit for free, where I walk you through the five steps for discovering and applying true principles to your life so you can experience their liberating power. See you there.